Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 12th, 2023. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Another stupendous show coming up for you here tonight. We have a great guest coming up. JT Brown, former NHLer and Root Sports color analyst for the Seattle Kraken. The Oz will be playing them on Thursday, so we're going to get the uh, scouting report on the Kraken. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, how do you do? Oh, absolutely fantastic. Is that right? And I think for the Islanders, too, it's also fantastic as they had... <laughs> it was a great week. Yeah, it was a fantastic week for that. <laughs> Fantastic's the word of the uh, year, Yes, I so, yes, uh, no doubt about it. But before we dive into all that, let's talk about our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Satisfy your hunger at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Remember to check out bluelinedeli.com for the menu and to order... Online, also proud to be sponsored by Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd and unplug your game at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. And also happy to be sponsored by Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law. They are ready to fight for you. Check them out at RazorandKniff.com for a free consultation. That's R-A-I-S-E-R-A-N-D-K-E-N-N-I-F-F.com. So with the pleasantries out of the way, Stefan, the Islanders were 5-2-3 and three last week. Now they're 5-5-3 five, five, and three because they lost three games in regulation. Uh, 13 points in 13 games played. They are now down to 7th in the Metro. So why don't we just dive in to what happened this week, shall we? So let's start with Minnesota, right? Yes. 19 seconds in. <laughs> yeah. Varlamov gets start. the start, by the way. Over yeah. Sorokin. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. nine seconds in. Great pass by Erickson Eck to Maroon. Unfortunately, Varlamov got caught looking the wrong way. I think Holmstrom missed his man. Maroon gets the goal. So 19 seconds in, the Islanders are chasing. And then we had talked about it often, mm-hmm. how many many strong starts this team has had. That has not happened a lot. Right. So it right. does happen. The Islanders get it back. Then they allowed two goals in 42 seconds. And that one, the last one, led to a Pierre Engvall benching. And then <laughs> yeah. he ends up going back into that game. Uh, Lambert, after the game, wouldn't say much more about that, mm-hmm. that he had a conversation with Engvall, and we'll keep it at that. Right. But they lose that game, a game where, again, a couple mistakes that they make just end up in the back of their net. So for me, that was like a classic Islander loss, and I'll, and I'll explain how, in the sense that in the early going of the game, they were drawing the penalties. Yeah. Right? They had the early power plays. They did convert on one at the end, the Wallstrom goal. But what did they have? Three, four power plays, I think it was, pretty much by the mid or you know late second of the game, whatever it was. But the bottom line is they did not capitalize yes. on those penalties. And you know you can say what you want about you know how refs control the game and whatnot, but I mean, they do like to keep the calls as even as possible. And you even saw what, what people questioned later on. There was a call on Dobson where he kind of yeah. barely touched the guy. He goes to the box, but they're looking for that. So, so I'm watching these, these power plays fail. And I said, this is going to bite them later. This is going to bite them later. And sure enough, Minnesota gets those later calls, and they end up getting burned for it because, you know, even after, uh, you know, getting that goal on the, um, you know, the uh, the, uh, the shorthanded goal. They had a shorthanded goal that game, right? Yeah. Minnesota? Yeah. So they had that, but, you know, it bites them in the butt because Minnesota ends up getting the late power play. They convert, they score, and it ends up, 
you know, basically being the winning goal. They get that second goal after the 42 second mark. So for me, I was, I just saw it. I saw it. I said, this is exactly how this is going to go. And it did. And now we should turn our eyes to the whole Engvall benching. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead. For sure. So I, I spoke to Engvall about this because after he gets benched, they head to Boston. And in Boston, I wasn't there, but during morning skate, Engvall sit on the ice after everybody else. And that's usually a sign that that person's a scratch. Now, right. Who knows? Was getting extra work. Well, when it came time for game time, Engvall did not play, and Anders Lee went down to the second line, the perfection line as I called it. But that line of Engvall, Nelson, and Palmieri has pretty much been the Islanders' best line for what um, eight months? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to count the summer months, yeah, whatever. Back but to last season, sure. Fantastic, yeah. and um, you know, people looked at Engvall and said he's not scoring. Blah blah, whatever it is, but. All of the goals that Nelson and Palmieri have scored at 5-on-5 five five have come off Engvall transition plays or Engvall board plays. Right. He's been paramount to that line success, and Lambert decided to make a statement. Hey, you made a mistake that game. We don't know if there was anything else to that. Engvall said it was strictly hockey-related, nothing personal or anything right. else. But he doesn't play, and Anders Lee plays there, and that line struggled mightily the entire night. They were heavily outshot. They were on the ice for two goals against. That's not counting them also being the ice for the empty net goal. All right. three of them are out there. Again, that line struggle, and that's one of those lines where against the Boston Bruins team in a game that the Islanders really should have won. They held the Boston Bruins to two even-strength shots in the second period. Um, yeah, they just couldn't find a way, and of course we could talk about what happened with the power play uh, for the Boston Bruins where the Islanders get one back. Shorthanded, Simon Holmstrom, again, he's been on fire. We talked about him as our hero of the week last week. He right. gets a goal, and then it's just so much so quick after Sorokin doesn't make a save that you kind of want your goalie to make in that situation, and that and that's that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Well, look, I'm going to go back to the Engvall thing. I mean, yeah. it was a bad play, and, you know, I just didn't think it was a play to... It, with everything that you just said, how successful that line's been, how he's been helping to drive play, and he's the guy that finally ends up being, all right, I'm going to hold somebody accountable, and he's the guy. Like, I think it's good that Lane... Did yeah. make a make a decision there? Did hold somebody accountable because there there have been issues, but I just don't think he was the right guy. I mean, for all the reasons you said, and it ends up blowing up in his face in the game against the Bruins, where you put Anders Lee there. He's been struggling as it is to kind of find his way on this squad this season, and he is basically the opposite of Pierre Engvall as far as a puck yeah. carrier, as far as you know the speed. And wouldn't you know it, they end up being on the minus side of the coin and there's basically no production out of them. And that's not to lump all the blame on Andrews Lee. So, no, of course. But, yeah. but at the same time, when you swap what Engvall was out for what Lee has been, you know, not really surprising to see that kind of result. So, you know, if, if you want to single out a guy to, to make a decision to, you know, get the team, you know, to, to kind of like get their act together. I don't think Engvall was the guy to do it. And unfortunately, the proof was kind of in the pudding there with, with how things went against Boston. So I disagree with the guy he chose. It's good that he did something, but it was just the wrong move. And, and now it just seems to be kind of a, a piling on for Lane Lambert. And we're seeing these decisions that, that he's making, and they're not really panning out for him. You know, whether it's line, line mixing in a game previously where that kind of burned them in the third period against, the, you know, one of the games earlier in the season. And it just seems like these decisions are mounting. And we'll get to last night, but obviously the, the natives are getting a little more restless here. And, you know, you had some boo birds last night in the crowd. 
Um, and and it's it's starting to get to the fans, and 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 they're only you know I said it last week. I said, you know, because we were asked a question about you know who what was it? T. Boyle wanted to know who the replacements were for yeah. for Lamarillo and, and Lane Lambert, and I said they're not. You know, he's not getting fired at, at five two and three. He's not getting fired five five and three. But um, I will I will say this, and we'll talk about all of it a little bit more with what's on top and everything like that. But if they keep this skid going on this West Coast swing, that might be when I start saying. Lane's job is in trouble because they're at 500 now. But if they come back from those four games and they drop three, four of those games, you might. That's when Lou might be, you know, working the phones if he's not already getting failures now while they're away, you know. But um, yeah, and then we can just we can go into into last night. Um, you know, four four one loss to the Capitals. that came out flat. Uh, Varley gets to start once again. Uh, Romanov gets his first goal and essentially uh, an, an open net play. Uh, not known for his shooting <laughs> prowess, so yeah. I, I thought it was kind of funny that, that that's how he ends up getting his first goal. But um, you know, you, you have the Ovechkin goal off the faceoff halfway through the first period, and uh, just just a game that you thought would kind of stop the bleeding before they head out west. You know, against the Capitals team who isn't expected to do as well. And they, the Caps come out, they do their job, they get the win, and, and the Islanders find themselves, you know, dropping three straight in regulation. So, um, you know, one, one note I just wanted to make on the, on the Boston game, you kind of touched on it too, was, you know, they hung with the Bruins for yeah. 50 minutes in that game. They were in that. I was like, this, they're playing a good game. I yeah, was like, they're they were. Getting, I was like, may, maybe the decision wasn't so bad with Engvall, even though the line itself didn't do so well. But the team, they looked good. They hung with the Bruins. And... Another great shorthanded goal from Simon Holmstrom. They tie the game, you know, and then you say to yourself, all right, tying goal here, shorty, kill this penalty, momentum's in their favor, and then, you know, go into the third period feeling good about yourself and maybe you get yourself a win, but they can't kill the penalty, and that's one issue. Another issue with this team, too, is is, is where you could kind of go into any penalty-killing situation with the Islanders under Barry Trotz leading into these seasons here, and pretty much feel really good about it. Like, all right, this might be two minutes the Islanders don't score, but the other team's not scoring either. And now the PK is an issue where you get nervous. And we saw what happened after they get the shorthanded goal. Boston goes back up. They they take the wind out of the Islanders' sail. They they rest momentum, momentum out of the game, and, and then they end up dropping it. Yeah, and I, great points there. I and mean, going to the Capitals game is the Capitals were on a second of a back-to-back. Um, right. They had beat the Jersey Devils 2 nothing. Yeah. Um, against the Islanders, they had a guy making his second career NHL start. We know how that usually goes. <laughs> that was um, a loss from the start. Hunter <laughs> Shepard, and what I will say, yeah. I mean, I was watching him a lot, and again, just being a goalie, he looked lost out there. I mean, he made some great saves, don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. that goal to Romanov, he was didn't know where he was. The rebounds were all over the place, and right. something that Lane said afterwards was, is um, we just didn't take his eyes away. Again, he was struggling to kill rebounds the entire night, and there, yeah. there were chances to be had, and we say this every yep. every, game, every game, and it was just this is a banged-up Capitals team as well. A lot of injuries, a lot of guys out, and they, and they found a way. I mean, that Ovechkin goal is something that the Capitals tried that exact play earlier in the first period. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't go in, but it did that time, and Horvat loses the draw cleanly, which kind of pretty much makes it an unstoppable play, except what Horvat could have done is try to tie up, and try not, not try to win the faceoff, you know that they're setting up for Ovechkin. I mean, Lane coached right. the Capitals. Right. He knows. Yeah. He knows what Good this. Point. All Horvat had to do, and I'm saying this as as easy as it was. <laughs> right. Is just tie up. Don't try to win the faceoff. Yeah. Try to tie up Kuznetsov and allow either force Ovechkin to come and get the puck, mm-hmm. or allow an Islander to go in there and disrupt. Because Ovechkin, what's a clean win? All Ovechkin has to do is shoot. 
And Ovechkin's obviously a guy that knows how to put the puck in the net. Right, and it's funny because I was there last night, and I think like just as they were they were setting up for the faceoff, I like looked down at my phone, and by the time I looked up, the Capitals were celebrating a goal, like bang, 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 yeah. scored the goal. And look, I mean that's a rare occurrence, the goals off for the faceoff sure. like that, but you got to be prepared. But just a game for me where the Islanders just. I'm just glad they're getting on the road. I'm glad they're getting the hell out of Dodge here, and, and hopefully that's something that uh, that can be a cure for this team because uh, they played a lot of games at home, and maybe uh, maybe that's what the doctor ordered, man, just just getting down the road. I think it's important. I mean, we've all been on teams, team bonding, right? That's mm-hmm. It's so critical, especially when you're struggling, to get away from the distractions, focus on each other, be able to look in the mirror, hold people accountable, whatever it is. Sure. Those are long road trips, like in the air and stuff. And, right. um, yeah, I think, I think it could be a... a a good thing for this team to get out of here and they're playing I mean we'll get onto it on what's on tap but it's not like they're playing juggernauts on this trip right correct and we'll talk more about that but now we have to break because JT Brown is going to be joining us I want to thank you all for tuning into twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers we'll be right back if you're an Islander fan there's nothing like a big win a tasty meal and great company and Blue Line Deli and Bagels provides all that and more Owned and operated by diehard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at BlueLineDeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. And joining us right now is color analyst at Root Sports for the Seattle Kraken and former NHLer JT Brown. JT, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you so much for your time tonight, joining us on the show. So I wanted to start talking a little bit about yourself before we dive into the Kraken. Uh, You were undrafted. You were signed by Steve Eiserman and the Lightning back in 2012. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about the challenge of breaking into the league as an undrafted player. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not uh, easy. Um, You got to have a little bit of chip on your shoulder at that point. But, uh, you know, just kind of made my way through the uh, juniors, then college ranks and... uh, you know, even just getting to the NHL is a, a dream and getting to play a couple of games after I left college. But, uh, you know, playing a full year in the American Hockey League as well right after that and just, you know, hoping for that next call up and, you know, kind of just trying to change my game to figure out whatever, you know, Tampa Bay needed at the time and just trying to do whatever I could to stick and stay in the NHL. So it's definitely not an easy one. There's there's bumps all the way, you know, from whether it was, you know, high school all the way through getting into the NHL. But uh, you know, I'm glad I stuck with it. Yeah, no question about it. You end up playing 365 games in the league with the Bolts, the Ducks, and the Wild. And you even were part of a, a cup run to the finals in 2015. Uh, how was that experience going to the finals? Uh, it was it was great. I mean, obviously, you'd, you'd love to win. Um, you know, looking back, uh, the Chicago team was was pretty dang good. But, uh, um, no, it was, it's something you learn from. Obviously, it's not an, an easy task to do that either. Uh, you know, fortunate enough to win in college. But, uh 
you realize pretty quickly how hard it is to, you know, win a seven game series and, you know, make it all the way to the finals and just, you know, how much it, it drains on you, whether it's, uh, you know, physically, mentally, uh, you know, it, it's a grind and, you know, just thankful to ever get there. Cause you know, a lot of people don't ever make it that far. Hey JT, thanks for joining us. I just wanted to ask you, you know, you growing up, who was, who were a couple of your idols? Uh, I mean, the biggest one outside of was outside of hockey. Um, probably Michael Jordan. You know, watched uh, you know a lot of him growing up. Uh, my dad, but inside of hockey was probably uh, Jerome McGinley. I would say he was probably my favorite. Uh, you know, player when I was outside, uh, whether it's on the rollerblades or just you know shooting out at the net. You know, that's who I was pretending to be. And then you got to play in Sweden. What was that experience like? I thought it was awesome. Um, <laughs> obviously, COVID season made it a little bit uh, interesting as far as, uh, you know, the fans for part of it. But, you know, towards the end, they started letting, uh, you know, people in. Um, great team. Uh, fortunate enough to know uh, quite a few players prior to to going over there, whether playing, uh, you know, on different teams, Syracuse or college with some guys or just knowing them from, you know, being in Minnesota as well. So it kind of made it a little bit easier on the the transition. But as far as the hockey's concerned, it was it was great. It was uh, a lot of fun to be out there. Lost in the finals there too, so I, I've done a lot of losing in the finals <laughs> in the professional ranks, with AHL, NHL, and uh, over in the offense. Again. Well, you got a good yeah. attitude about it, and and now you find yourself part of a stellar broadcast team with John Forslund and Eddie Olchek covering the crack. And uh, it's funny we we had Thomas Hickey on the show a couple of weeks ago, and now he's doing it for MSG covering the Islanders. And we we talked to him about his transition from the ice to the broadcast booth. Maybe you can just talk about your experience and uh, and how that's been for you. Oh, yeah. John Forslund and uh, Eddie, I mean, they're two of the best, in my opinion, and, you know, makes it pretty easy to to do this job or to transition into this job. It's uh, something that, you know, I guess I, I went to school, but didn't go to school particularly for, you know, this uh, this job or to be into broadcast. But I think it's been fun. I think, uh, obviously, the best part is you know the game of hockey well, and you just got to remind yourself that and just tell people what you're seeing, right? Like, you just to go in and there's a different vantage point, especially, you know, being down in between the benches for about half the games down in there. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of nice to be close to the action, close to the ice. And especially since I still know, you know, a lot of people still playing, I got to use that uh, to my advantage as long as they're still in. So you, talk, you talked about your idols when you got to the league. Who was a couple of players that, you know, really took you under their wing early on? Oh, yeah. I mean, Brian Boyles won uh, right off the rip. Uh, I would say uh, Callahan as well. You know, when it goes to Tampa, obviously playing with uh, Moose, and uh, Felino in uh, Minnesota was, was a lot of fun too. So those are some of the guys that, uh, you know, just playing out on the ice that, that you get along with well, great people in the room, but uh, you know, some of you always want to be around. So uh, a very uh, special date was uh, February 17th, 2022 last year. You and uh, yourself and Everett Fitzhugh were part of the first black NHL TV broadcast. How special was that for you? It was, it was really cool. Obviously Everett and I have a, a really good friendship since uh, obviously meeting here in Seattle and, we kind of knew at some point this might uh, be on the schedule with uh, John's national schedule. Uh, you know, being able to call games nationally sometimes, you know, just made it so it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna happen, right? Couldn't make it back for the game, so uh, Everett and I got to call. And I think, you know, just being able to see, you know, people who look like Everett and who look like myself, you know, calling a game, you know, it was it was definitely important. And obviously, we had a, a ton of fun doing it. And I, I don't think it's going to be the last time we get to call a game, but uh, if we can inspire you know, one person to, whether it's to join the broadcast booth, I always laugh because I was, when I play hockey, I always want, like, everyone's got to play hockey. And I still feel that way, but I also feel like there's ways that you can impact the game beyond just playing the game, which is obviously, it's, it's very hard, but you go into, you know, an office like the Seattle, 
back in where it's a very diverse office and you can see people. So you could go in whether you're you're good at math, you're good at uh, the accounting side of things, you want to be on the broadcast team. There's so many ways you can join and be a part of hockey. And I didn't really think about that until, you know, I made switch into the, the media side and the media role. Well, that's awesome, and it's great to see that it is, you know, the, the, the world is kind of getting involved and, the, and it's broadening uh, throughout the, the hockey world. Uh, but let's shift gears to, to the Kraken here. 5-7-3, and three, a little slow start. Obviously, a, a very exciting season last year. They took out the Stanley Cup champs in Game 7 in the first round, and it looks like they're a little slow out of the gate. What's going on with the Kraken this season so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, it is definitely a little bit of a, a slower start. I think uh, a tough, tough road trips to start and tough teams, I guess, to start. Uh, obviously, every game is important you don't want to get yourself into you know a hole i think uh, the biggest thing with the challenges were the scoring department especially early you know not uh, scoring too much a lot of those goals came from you know the one game versus carolina when uh, they put seven on the board uh, it's hard to score in this league if you're only going to score uh, two goals or not so i think obviously the scoring touch there you're getting the chances they're just not going in or they weren't going in um but overall i mean i think when you when you talk to players and you talk to you know I still have friends on opposing teams and you, you talk to them afterwards and they're saying how hard of a team Seattle is to play. That that hasn't changed over the last year, even though the rec still isn't the same or they're not doing as good as maybe you would have thought or people would have thought, uh, you know, they're playing the same way. They're playing hard. And, you know, when you do those things and you do it the right way, the results eventually come. JT, what's the latest with Jordan Airbley? We know he got the, the skate cut there, but we haven't really heard much about that. Yeah, uh, he's he's been on the ice. Uh, I believe he's in a, a no contact today. He skated uh, yesterday as well. But uh, you know, that's one thing where obviously you take your time, and make sure you you heal properly. But I believe he said week to week. I want to say it was uh, a run there. Again, anytime you're skating out there and you're you're out with the team, that's uh, the next step. I always look at it in the the process of. You know, getting injured, obviously you're not out there. Then you're in no contact. Then once you get out of the no contact, you're pushing closer. So I think you just keep watching those those signs to see where, you know, where he's at. Speaking on the team last year, what clicked for Seattle? You know, it seemed like they just worked as one unit, one group. It seemed like something that the Islanders did actually a couple years ago where it was just a hard team to play against night in and night out. They grinded for wins. What just clicked for Seattle last year? I mean, uh, I think you have four full lines that uh, can, can play against anybody. That really is something that, you know, every team wants to do, but I don't think that every team has that, right? Like I feel when you can get scoring all the way up and down uh, from line one to line four, then your defense too. I mean, you look at how many people last year that had 20 or more points on the Seattle Kraken was was wild to be honest with you. And you look at the fourth line production of a hundred and was 104 points. I think last year for the fourth line combined, when you can do stuff like that, it's going to be a hard team to beat, and uh, you can't just go out there and say, you know, the fourth line's not going to do a whole lot today. No, they might win you a game, and they did consistently. Um, so for the Seattle Kraken, I think it was just a, a combination of you know having that depth, but also, you know, a lot of guys had career years last year up and down the lineup, uh, you know, whether it was it could have been in one category, category, goals, or it could have been in all three, you know, goals, assists, points, you name it. Um, you know, as a team, I think everyone on the roster took kind of steps forward and that really pushed the Seattle Kraken. No question, JT. And I just wanted to go back to the Everly injury for a second. You have now a couple of, of freak things happen with some skates. He gets his leg cut. And obviously you have the tragedy overseas with Adam Johnson. And are there more conversations being had maybe behind the scenes, maybe yourself being involved in some about, you know, maybe wearing neck protection on the ice? Do you think that's something that might gain a little more traction? You see TJ Oshie wearing it, wearing one now. Do you think that's something we might see sooner than later just because of, you know, what we're seeing out there with, with these terrible injuries? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, just from my personal experience, uh, you know, I've I've talked about it. I don't play a lot of hockey right now. Um, <laughs> every once in a while, I hop out in the the beer league, but uh, you know, I still, uh, you know, you think about those things and, and what to, could happen. Obviously, with uh, the Seattle Kraken, Yanni Gord's been wearing a, a, a neck guard. You know, I think he's the only one right now who's who's put it on. But I think as you know, more companies and more people try to innovate the the neck guard i think it'll become more comfortable it'll be more streamlined um you know i look at all the how many people are in the cut proof socks or have the cut proof wrist guards and how thin they are and you know once you start working towards getting to that level i know it's a hard thing to change these guys have been playing you know without it for so long and they're they're you're so used to it but i think there's definitely a difference too you know whether if you're single or if you have a family there's different side of what you you want to think about so you know, I think it's a positive that, you know, guys have started pushing and started making, uh, you know, wearing them throughout the league. And, you know, one day, you know, I would assume, you know, maybe it might be a grandfather type situation, but, uh, you know, players coming in will probably, you know, at some point, hopefully have to wear them as well, just, you know, to mitigate any, uh, or not any, but mitigate as much as you can, the potential chance of uh, injury. Right, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how many more players start to adopt that. Uh, so the Kraken's been in the league now for a few years. What's uh, how's the experience just out there? Has the city embraced hockey? How's the fan base? What's the experience out there for the fan and just the NHL finally getting a getting a spot there over in Seattle? Oh, it's awesome. You know, I feel like Seattle as a as a whole is a pretty good sports town. You look at the other the sports in the city, you know, what they what they do. So that's really no different for hockey. Obviously, it's a little different. There's a mix of you know, people who already know the game, but then there's a mix of people who are just brand new coming to the game, which also makes, you know, our job so fun on the broadcast, being able to teach, but also not go, you know, too far in that realm where you turn away people who already know the game and don't need to know some of the, you know, I would say more easier points of the game, but you have to find a way to, to, to do that well. But I would say, you know, I will around walk in the neighborhood, obviously more so in the summertime, going to the park with the kids and you'll, you'll pass people wearing Seattle cracking gear all over, obviously during, peak season uh you know the jerseys i like the, everything they've done so far is the color scheme uh the merchandise is just flying off shelves so i would say overall the team uh you know the fans have really locked on uh, to the kraken how long did it take you to get adjusted to the two scoreboard system they got there <laughs> honestly i was a little nervous about that right away i was like oh two score i don't know if i'm gonna <laughs> like that and now i actually do like i think it's a for what i do especially being down in between the benches where you can't always see it's nice to have to just look up in the zone where the puck is versus having to pull your head back to the the neutral zone. Um, so just a little thing there, but I like the idea of being able to have it uh, on both sides and also connects the, you know, the lower bowl because you can see directly across uh, in the, the 100 sections right across the middle. So it kind of gives a, a little bit of a different vibe. I thought, Again, just right away, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it, but it only took a couple of games, and I was like, you know what, this has a really cool feel, and it's something uh, something different. You don't see yeah. that too. Well, you, you don't see it, so at the end of the day, I mean, I think that that also adds to you know what I was able to do here. Being in between the benches, how much do you just want to jump out there? You know, <laughs> in, in between hearing the, the chirping and all that stuff. Uh, maybe for the chirping, but not so much for the skating. Uh, I'd be winded pretty quickly. Uh, you know, you see him going up and down the ice. I think that's my my favorite part is uh, when we get to training camp day one, and you know they start doing their their skating, their stops and starts, and I'm like, I'm so thankful I'm not doing that right now. So, uh, you know, there's obviously there's times where you want to be out there. You know, you see the chirps going back and forth, and that's a fun part. But uh, you know, at the same time, I really enjoy you know the transition and leaving. I know at some point that this was going to have to happen. I wasn't going to be able to play hockey, you know, for my entire life and what was going to be the next thing. And for me, this has been 
awesome. It wasn't something that I really knew I was going to do or thought I was going to do, but uh, you know, I'm glad we we stumbled upon it and we we jumped right in. I know I know you're doing this now, but do you have any thought of getting into coaching at any point in uh, your career? I know Thomas Sicky, we asked him about that, and he goes, <laughs> you know, you never say never. I think that's the correct answer. I feel like you know, right now I'm really I'm content with uh, you know what I'm doing. I know at some point if my kids, uh, I got six and a five-year-old, well, almost five, but I know that I'd probably have to coach them if they decide to to go into hockey and that might start my coaching career. But, uh, you know, for now, I'm really, I'm really happy with where I'm at in the broadcast. So we'll see. It's going to be hard to say no to uh, being a coach of your kids. So if that might be the, the Kickstarter for me, we'll see. Well, JT, now that chirping was brought up, it uh, kind of spawned this question for me. Who was the best chirper on the ice when you were playing in the league? Now, either maybe a teammate or even an opponent. Like, who was the best at uh, getting under people's skin with the words? Uh, I mean, there's there's plenty of people. I mean, I'd say you go with the the standard people. I mean, Marshawn can really get under <laughs> your skin um, sure. pretty easily. I'd say Reeves every now and then could get you as well. He's got some, some good one-liners, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, I'd say those two are probably the two that I, you know, even if you were upset with them, you wanted to laugh if they were chirping <laughs> you. Love that. Love that. So back to the team before we let you go. You got uh, Jaden Schwartz and Vince Dunn leading the team right now on the score sheet. Who do the Islanders and their fans got to watch out for Thursday when they when they head into Seattle? I mean, Schwartz right now has been, uh, you know, the I'd say the number one point, per, well, he's got the most points on the team. He's on nine-game point streak right now. Uh, you know, things have been really good for him, scoring a lot of goals in that front. Power play has been uh, really good for him. Name the, the two there, but I'd say the other one would be Bjorkstrand. Um, he's been really good so far. Uh, he doesn't need a, a whole lot of space to to get his wrist shot off, and, you know, he snaps it pretty good. You know, he's able to use the speed and the deception to kind of beat the goaltender. So he, on the up on the forward side, has been, you know, really good so far this year. Obviously, you can't uh, – can't count out Matty Beers either. He obviously had a slower start to, to the season, um, you know, point-wise after, you know, the rookie of the year last year. But, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, at any point in time, you know, the skill set that he has can turn it on and, and then it's watch out, right? So, obviously, getting that first goal versus Colorado was big, and, uh, you know, hopefully that trend continues. Well, JT, can't thank you enough for joining us here tonight. Really appreciate your time, and uh, best of luck on the broadcast, and I hope to have you on down again down down the future. Yeah, thank you. No problem at all. Anytime. You got it. Take care, JT. JT. All right, folks, that was J.T. Brown now covering the Seattle Kraken in the broadcast booth, which John Forslund and Eddie Olchek does a great job for Root Sports. So, Stefan, I think we'll take a break. But before we do, I'm going to let you all know about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and for open play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases. We have everything from strategic to easy party games. Get off your screens for a night your family will remember. Looking for meetups to join? Our Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all. We also do parties and corporate events. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game so folks thanks a lot for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night and why we'll be right back attention all artists storytellers and creators of all kinds it's time to make your content stand out above the rest and floored media is the place to make your visions become a reality maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out and no matter the project Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere 
to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post-production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to floredmedia.com for more information and email contact at floredmedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. And now, it's time for What's on Tap. A look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That gentleman has a fantastic voice, by the way. But that's right. (laughs) No, it's not. By the way, it's time for What's on Tap. Western Canada and Seattle in between. It counts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they got four games coming up, so a busy week. I feel like it's been three game weeks for a while. We finally have four, so why don't we get started? Monday, they go to Edmonton. That is tomorrow. And uh, on the heels of a, of a coaching change, so maybe a little more pep in their step, but they are 3-9-1. and one. The Edmonton Oilers are obviously struggling. Stefan, what do you have to say about it? I think this could be very good or very bad. <laughs> okay. Two reasons. One, sure. obviously Edmonton's been struggling mightily. You have to see how they respond. Usually when a coach gets fired that, that wakes up the room, they are bringing in the uh, Hartford Hartford's uh, head coach, Knobloch, someone that coached McDavid. Yeah, So that, I mean, listen, yeah. you know, you're trying to get McDavid going. Boy. Yeah, McDavid has yeah. been off to a slow start. This team has struggled. I mean, I feel like we talk about Edmonton every year. They need depth. They need mm-hmm. goaltending. I mean, what's going on with their goaltending right now? Campbell gets sent down to the AHL and allows one of the most egregious goals I've ever seen in the <laughs> AHL as he has to figure it out. Like, goalies just don't lose their ability to stop the puck. It's confidence. So he'll find it. But Skinner's in goal for them. He struggled mightily. They they just can't stop allowing goals. And there's clear frustration. But again, you, you see how some teams respond after coach gets fired. So for the Islanders, I guess the good news is that if there was ever a game to break out goal-scoring-wise, this is it. But at right. the same time, if you don't have structure and you're going up against McDavid, who's very pissed off and wants to prove to the new coaching staff that, yeah, hey, yeah. I could just snap out of this real easily. Mm-hmm. He has a chance to exploit some of the Islanders' weaknesses because we've talked mm-hmm. all these, lo- these this losing streak right now is every mistake the Islanders make seem to end up in the back of their net. Right. Well, McDavid feasts on those. So you got to see how they come out. If the Islanders could play a structured game and get a lot of shots on goal, they don't need to be good shots. We've seen how this goaltending works in Edmonton. You might get a couple goals you don't deserve, but goals are goals. Goals are goals. Moving on to Wednesday, they go into Vancouver, who are now suddenly a wagon. Wagon. 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10 games. Quinn Hughes leading the charge over there. Is this a mirage early in the season, or are they finally for real? I, I mean, I think it's for real. They're the only good Canadian team right now. Mm. Um, they're getting great goaltending from Demko. Everyone seems to be raising their game. Pedersen's filthy. Yes, we said Quinn Hughes could win the Norris. Uh, he's probably sure. people are saying he's been the best defenseman in the league this year, and it's hard to argue that. And I think again, this what a is, family! Unbelievable. It's All crazy. Three of them. It's crazy owning it's, the yeah. league. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. But um, it's just a team that you saw the struggles last year. How everything was, everyone was disconnected. Mm-hmm. But now this year, just everything's clicking. And again, you're this is a game for the honors that's important because it's Horvat's return. Right now, they get to see Bo and right. Brack Nelson had a great quote where he said. Um, you know, we're going to give him a big hug and tell him we miss him. And, like, obviously, Bo is part of really important Beauvillier. years. Beauvillier. Beauvillier, excuse yes. me. Beauvillier. There's two Bo's in this equation. Yeah, we'll call Bowie. <laughs> we'll call Bo Bowie. Okay. Of, All right. But, Sounds uh, good. Beauvillier was part of some really amazing teams for the Islanders. was a big part of that group. Obviously, him and Barzal have a, have a history. Of, they're great friends. Right. And he struggled. Yeah. Uh, but, again, this is a Canucks team that has been dangerous. And for Horvat to come back, and we know how he left when he came here, 
He had some comments. He, he spoke about it the he other did. day where he said, you know, those comments, well, at the time may have seemed like they were directed to the fans. Mm. It was directed at management. We know what happened that year. The sure. Canucks decided they were going to pay JT Miller. They ch- essentially chose JT Miller over Horvat. Right. Horvat then decides to go on an absolute tear. Right. Doesn't get the contract he wants, gets traded to the Islanders. And so this is a moment for him to go back. He struggled this year in finding the back of the net. For him sure. to go back there in front of a crowd that maybe he'll get booze, maybe he'll get cheers. He was the captain there. Again, it depends what the fan base wants to do. It also helps probably that their team's winning and the Islanders are losing. Wherever sure. it was the opposite, they're booing right. the heck out of him regardless. Mm. But a chance for Horvat to go home, go back home to where his career started, where he played many years, meet his right. teammates again, who he's probably talks to every day, and then just have a good game. Again, it's going to be a, a lot. Game. It's going to be a lot on him going back <laughs> yeah. and seeing how it reacts. But you know, Horvat's a big game player, and the Islanders need him to be that guy. It's, he's got to be the reason they get out of this slump. So. It's a lot of weight on his shoulders, but at the same time, you're, the Islanders have played better this year against better competition we saw against Boston. and they, So right. I think maybe with right. Vancouver being as good as they are with how much emotion is going to be involved in this game, then it might be where the Islanders find a way to raise their game. You would hope, you would hope, and then they go to back-to-back Thursday in Seattle. We obviously got the 4-1-1 on those guys, but a little slow out of the gate, 5-7-3. and three. You have teams like Vancouver performing better now. I don't know if Seattle's is as much of a lock for the playoffs as, as getting in last year. So uh, Grubauer's having a rough go. His numbers weren't looking very good. I, I yeah. was looking at those. So, um, you know, it might be another opportunity because, like you said earlier, you know, outside of Vancouver, these are three beatable teams right now. They're, they're, they're struggling themselves. So this really could be a trip that kind of rallies this team together. Whether it happens or not remains to be seen. But playing a team like Seattle, maybe uh, they can get a couple of points out of them. And it will be a second and a back-to-back right. for New York. And we mm-hmm. have to see how this team does with those. Again, it ultimately depends. I mean, I think they might have rather had it reversed. You play Seattle, then Vancouver. Because, again, they're going to have to... Not that Seattle's an easy team. We just talked to JT Brown about this. But with how good the Canucks have been, it's going to take a lot for the Islanders to win that one. And you just... Again, you just hope if you're an Islanders fan that they don't burn out whether it's a win or a loss against Vancouver and they go into Seattle, again, a winnable game and they find a way to, they come up short because, you know, they're tired or things like that. Right, right. And then on to Saturday, they go into Calgary 4-8-2, and two, another struggling team in Canada, like you said. Uh, another very winnable game for this team. Everybody wants out of Calgary. Everybody yeah, wants nobody out. Nobody wants to play Zadorov there. Zadorov has said he wants That's out. Tough. That's another guy. I, Herbert Huberdeau got benched the other day. Yeah, um, not for great. the entire third period. That's yep, a guy that's making that. a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a coaching change heading into this year. It's mm-hmm. just, it's not looking good for a team that decided instead of breaking everything apart and rebuilding, they they bought again. It was a tough thing that um, they had to go through. Trey Living did with you know having to not bring back Goudreau. He didn't want to come back. Trade right. Kachuk. You thought, okay, the moves he made to get Huberto back um, would pay off. Right. And sign Kadri. I mean, at the time, everybody was like, okay, these are moves. They're patching things back up, even though you had guys that wanted out and left. It looked like they did a decent job of building it back, but for whatever reason, it's not working. It's not working again. For the Islanders, regardless of what they do on those three games, to win a game and then have to take the flight home, it'll feel a lot better than if you drop that game. And again, this is a Calgary Flames team that, again, there's no... We talk with Lane every day, and he always says the same things. It's a fat, Every team in this league is fast, and if you can't defend speed, you're going to have a hard time allowing uh, limiting, limiting chances and things like that, regardless of how their, their skill is to put the puck in the back of the net. It makes life tough. So this Calgary Flames team isn't a slow team, but if the Islanders, again, they'll have a day off. So they regroup from that back-to-back, and you leave it all out on the line, and then you return home on a good note, especially after what's just happened at home. 
So the Isles are five, five, and three now. The very definition of mediocre, right? Being at five hundred, is this the best we've seen from the Islanders in these thirteen games? Is this what we should come to expect for the remaining what sixty-nine games in the season, whatever it is? Or is is the best yet to come? Or you know, is are they going to need a change? Because because like I said earlier, this yeah. road trip could very much dictate you know, how the rest of the season goes, maybe for some people in particular or for this team. And look, it's still super early, right? We haven't even hit the 15-game mark, and a lot of things can change. But obviously, we've seen a lot of bad mixed in with some of the good for this team. And I've noted on the show previously, they haven't beaten a tough team yet. They've only been able to really beat teams that are expected to be towards the bottom half of the of the league here, and that hasn't changed yet. They, they couldn't beat Minnesota. They couldn't beat Boston. And, you know, the question is, can they go on this West Coast swing, get a little bonding going, like you said, beat three teams that they probably should beat given, you know, how they've been performing, and then you have Vancouver there where if they can take that one, maybe raise an eyebrow a little bit and say, okay, maybe they're getting this together. But, you know, what 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 do we what should we expect out of this team for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on Pelic. Um he's obviously been in out of the lineup with that hip injury or the lower body injury, whatever you want to call it. And again, to me, regardless of how well he's playing, mm-hmm. he's the glue that holds this entire structure together. He's their best defenseman in terms of breaking out and like quick chipping the puck out, things like that. He's a smart, high IQ player who's playing with Dobson, who was just a force unleashed. He's finally not averaging a point per game after last game. <laughs> He's one point But I think under a lot on Pellet, but also too, is you just look at, you know, people were saying, see, this team's the same as last year or whatever. And mm. sure, it's very right. early, but you expect more from Horvat and Barzal. Again, they look good on the ice. The question is, they still have not found a place for another person on that line. It looked like it was going to be Holmstrom when they brought him out. That line looked really good. Lane decided mm-hmm. to break it up. Um, but I think if you want to look at the positives, which mm-hmm. people love to do, um, <laughs> Anders Lee looked the best he's looked all season last night. And maybe it wasn't the entire game where he was at his best. Mm-hmm. But they started him with Pajot to start the season. It didn't work, whatever. Mm-hmm. He put him back last year. And I saw a different Lee last night. Whether you want to say he didn't finish, things like that, sure. That's, right. that's your right. But I right. saw there was one play... I think it, it was the second period, whatever period it was, mm-hmm. where I saw Lee get on his high horse, back check, break up a two-on-one, mm-hmm. make plays in the neutral zone, win board battles and hold the puck, possess it, make some moves behind the net, feed the front. He made some moves in, in front of goal and things like that, where I said, that's the Anders Lee this Islanders team needs. They don't need him to be a 30-goal scorer. They don't need him to be what he was. They just need him to be that. Working hard in corners, winning those puck battles, getting to the point. He did that a lot early on in the game last year. Again, we think the second line... Will work. I mean, Brock Nelson scored the other day. Engvall back in. He looked like he was their best player in the first period by far. He clearly mm-hmm. got the message. Um, right. Palmieri hasn't scored, but you know. And then the third line, I think Holmstrom should never have been moved from there. Okay. I think he just, his play with Pajot, whether it's five on five or the mm-hmm. penalty kill, they just, he, he's dangerous. He's finally looking like a first round pick, which he was. He's dangerous right. with the puck. He makes the smart plays. He's been doing that delay, mm-hmm. delay, delay thing but not what he was doing before where it was, I'm going to delay, 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 and get a shot that the goalie's ready for. He's delaying, 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 allowing his teammates to either cut to the back post, mm-hmm. and he's fine, like he's hitting them on the money. Yeah, yeah. And again, he seems like he could be doing everything right now, and obviously confidence plays a huge role, but he looks dangerous in all facets of the game, and I think the Islanders needed that. They need to see that. And if you could have a line of Holmstrom, Pajot, and Fashing still be that shutdown line, but now with Holmstrom there, well, you thought, okay, well, Wallstrom is going to have to be the offense on that line. Mm-hmm. And the Holmstrom showing, not only do I have a lethal shot, but I have this playmaking ability and high IQ. Mm-hmm. That that line could also find a way to provide offense. They need Pajot to get scoring, but 
Holmstrom's got to be one of the brightest spots of the season. Oh, without question. And, you know, I'm with you there, keeping him there. But I didn't mind him getting another shot on oh, the first for, yeah. line after we saw this Holmstrom 2.0 that's kind of, you know, we've we've been seeing this season so far. I mean, you know, you give it one game, is, is Lane going to go back to it? We'll see. But, yeah, he is one of the bright spots on this season. You know, you got Noah Dobson there, Paul Mary coming out, getting some numbers to, to start the season off. But, but, look, it's obviously been very unbalanced. And I'll say this, like, I'm definitely more concerned about how this season's going to go today than I was going into this season. And I didn't think it was going to be a perfect season. I didn't think they were going to win the Metro or anything like that. But through 13 games now, there's there's bad habits. There are trends, whether anybody wants to acknowledge them or not. <laughs> right. And you have to hope that, you know, is that something that they're just kind of going to kind of work? I, that, that's the question for me, and that's what I was essentially asking you before. Like, is this just who this team is going to be, or are they going to work through it? Or are they going to find a way to get through it and be more successful? Because I think at, at the very least, you and I agree that this team on the ice is capable of doing more. Oh, We've seen it before. Sure. We, they, we know that they're capable of being a more successful team. They're capable of hanging with top teams. They're capable of beating top teams. It hasn't happened yet. And my question is, is it going to be too late before they figure it out if they ever do? I would say it's not going to be too late just because this Metro, when we talked about it last week, it's mm. not the best division in the sport. It's right. not. You have right. Columbus, Philly, Washington, Pittsburgh, all struggling. So for as I know I think the Caps jumped the Islanders essentially in the standings and things like that, and we're early, but it's not like every team is running away with things and the Islanders are being left in the dust. Despite how poorly they've played, especially with this inability to play 60 minutes. Like, if they figure out how to play third periods and just a full 60, they're going to lock down leads. It's going to come back. And But the problem is, is when do they figure it out? And that's your question is how, you know, right. is it going to be too late? I don't think it will be just because I don't think Pittsburgh or Washington is going to run away with that final spot, whether it's a wild card or whatever. Um, but yeah, for sure, if the Islanders come back from this road trip and the streak is still going... Uh, you look at like decisions have to be made, yeah. whether it's managerial, whether it's a lot player of personnel. In the Absolutely. Exactly. And I think it's unavoidable. You know, it may be early in the year. We talked about last week. Well, the record was a winning record and things like that. Exactly. You, you start running out of excuses. It's not anymore. Yeah. It's it's literally a middle of the road record now. And if they continue to spiral, then it's a losing record. And then all of a sudden they find themselves not only in the basement of the Metro, but in the East. And then they have to try to claw back, yeah. which we've seen them do last year. Yeah, they went can't. on quite the run. But let's not do that this year, especially Matt Barzell pointing that out. Like, they'd like to actually be in the mix before they have to worry about getting in. So, look, it's 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 not time to hit the panic button yet, but we're getting closer. The finger's on the button. You got it. Yeah, the, the, the plastic covering is, is up. And for, for every loss. <laughs> it's time during... to hit the hero of the week button, I think. Oh, we're getting there. Absolutely. <laughs> but we're not going to hit it yet because I got to tell everybody about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles news, highlights, and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. And it's great because it comes to your email inbox every day, and it's basically a consolidation of all the news and happenings going on in Islander country. You get some of Stefan's articles in there. You get some of Andrew Gross's articles from Newsday. It basically gives you all the news in one place. You can click here, click here, read there. It's great quotes, everything. So if you're not doing it yet, get your fix at Isles Fix. And now, Ed, you may press your buttons. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli Half Price Hero, which this week is the Mr. Ledecky, featuring turkey, ham, provolone, lettuce, tomato, and mustard on fresh 
rye bread. So, with that out of the way, we're going to do our Heroes of the Week. I'm going to start with mine, and I'm going to go with the NHL Schedule Makers. That's right, okay. folks, the NHL Schedule Makers, because there were no heroes on the ice for the Highlanders this past week in three straight losses. Hard to find one there. So uh, we have a nice stock photo of somebody doing math on a whiteboard. Uh, the NHL schedule makers, kudos to you because the Islanders are going off on a West Coast swing. And as Stefan and I discussed before, maybe, just maybe, that is what the doctor ordered here for the Islanders to get things back on track. And now, Stefan, I pass it on to you. Yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, another joking one. I mean, if you remember last year, I picked Saturday for one. Because I was going to say, I miss... Sabado. Well, we get Domingo. So Sunday. So the, so oh, guys, Sabado. Veterans Day. Veterans Day? Right. We, the veterans. We're veterans. going with the veterans. We're going with the veterans. We talked about this. We did talk about this. You're right. You're right. want to thank our veterans. Jesus. For, uh, I, I apologize. We, we could do two. I could have to, I remember last week we combined. So. Buddy, I forget stuff all the time. It's, it's okay. all good. But yes, Veterans Day, we want to thank our military for everything they do yes, to keep us safe. they are the true heroes. I know Lane Lambert's son is in the military. He brought that up. I know Scott Mayfield's brother is in the Air Force. So just, again, thank you to every all the veterans for what they absolutely, do for us. Absolutely, absolutely. No, the, the Islanders losing this week actually gave us a great opportunity to thank the real heroes out there and the veterans. So, uh, yes, thank you very much to uh, everybody fighting for our freedom here in the United States. So that is your Heroes of the Week. So remember... To get on over to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location, get half off the Mr. Ledecky. And now, let's go to Questions Bruin. It's time for Questions Bruin. So go ahead, ask us a question. <laughs> Phenomenal voice that guy has. Who is that? I don't, I have no, you know, it's just, just some Christian dude. Arnold. I just hired him and, and he it's did Christian a great Arnold. job. It was yeah, not yeah, CA. Yeah. It was, it was not. He does not have a voice of an angel. Wow. <laughs> He's not here to defend I'm starting himself. to think it's you. Is it you? <laughs> no, it's yeah. not me. Right. So, but, but, but with that out of the way, Ed, voice of an angel and Jay, ears yeah. of an angel. <laughs> you yeah. guys Jay, doing? Jay's a little sick. A little under he the doesn't weather. say much anyway, but. Yeah. It's, it's worse than usual. We didn't right. to well, you know he doesn't have the plague, so we're all safe. That's yeah. good. Um, just to get everything out of the way for people tuning in. Yes. I know we discussed this in the beginning. Right. But people want to know, Jay's touching me. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. It happens. Yeah. You know, with his. I'm uncomfortable for you. Sneezy hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, people just want to know, uh, again, the situation with Lane and what is the, the defining moment where Lou steps in and makes a change? What's it going to be? How many games do they need to lose? I I honestly, if, are you are you done? Sound like <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was just a generalized. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, a lot yeah, of people are and, asking and that, that. Yeah, we, we left we this, on this very somewhat early, alone because we figured this was coming. Yeah, yeah look, I uh, I talked about it before, and and if they do not show well on this West Coast swing. I think that really uh, kind of forces Lou's hand to at least think about making a change because this can snowball into a, a very difficult situation if, if they can't get more points than not. I mean, I don't know. What's an acceptable road trip here? 2-1-1? One, and one? Like, do you, you okay with that? You know, you get... A little, you know, two one and one. You get a few more points on the board. They end, they end the losing streak. That probably gets Lane a stay of execution, I would think. But if they come back with, look, if they go zero and four, then 
anything. All bets are off, I think. And that really might be when when Lou starts, you know, looking at uh, potential replacements. And, and I think they're wasting their time if they if they fire Lane and they boost John McClain. No disrespect to John McClain, but I don't think he's the answer. I think, I don't know who it is. I don't have a name for you guys off the top of my head here. But if it gets bad, and if it gets to the point where Lou does have to drop the axe, uh, I think it's just got to be a veteran coach from the outside. Again, don't know. You, know, you can rattle some names off like Gallant, and I don't know if I'm, I'm down with him. You John got, Hines is another one. John Hines is out up. there, sure. I don't know if there's any names that would really scream to me. I'll tell you what, if Peter Laviolette didn't sign on the dotted line with the Rangers this summer, he's the first guy I would call if we get to that point. So, but yeah, look, I, the, the chair is getting warmer. I have to say it. For Lane, it, it is. I mean... Again, haven't beaten a good team yet. They're on a losing streak now. They had one win sandwiched essentially between two losing streaks with the Capitals win, you know, a little while ago. So I, I think it's fair now to, to start asking these questions and, and really pay attention to what happens on this West Coast swing. Yeah, I think what matters is what you just said, too, is does Lou have somebody in mind? Because, again, if there's no one that he thinks could, you know, if, if they fire Lambert and mm. they don't have anyone that's suitable to replace him, What's the point in fire? Well, what's the point in fire? Right, Lambert, I think they kind of so. ride it out longer. Yeah, if the, if the right guy isn't there, then do you just make a change for change's sake? I don't know if that's the answer. Yeah, I don't. I don't and I, yeah, I don't think that's the answer too. Yeah. Well, that's all we'll touch on for that for now. Okay. Until next week. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, this question's from Esteban J. Would Hello? you consider splitting up Barzal and Horvat and move Nelson to right wing? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think I think I think it's something that early in the year. That you could have thought about doing. Brock Nelson actually came up as a winger, if if I'm not mistaken. He was a winger yeah. to start. And well, uh, no, he was a center to start, but then they put him at wing right. to get him acclimated to the team and whatnot. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lethal shot. We know that. I think the better thing to do is either play Nelson on Horvat's wing or you put Barzal back to center and you put Nelson or you put Barzal on the left wing and Nelson is center. I don't think... Barzal is more comfortable probably as a center, but if he's not going to play center, he wants to play left wing. So I think, and and I think, you know, for Nelson, he's a right shot. So he wants to cut across. He might be more comfortable on the left as well. So it really depends on what their preferences is because a lot of players too also don't mind, like if you're a right shot, you don't mind playing on your right side. You know, it's all preference. And for Barzal, we know his best game probably is him as a left winger. So if they could figure that out. But yeah, I think it comes to a point where if Horvath and Barzal are getting the chances but not producing, you can't, You got to just try something else. Who knows what, what clicks in again. It's not a failure if Horvath doesn't play with Barzal for the next eight years. But you got to find <laughs> right. out what works best. And if and if right. you're going to separate the second, let's say the second line doesn't stay as hot as they were and they haven't been as hot as they were to start and you want to make some changes there and you're losing, you might as well try everything and try to figure something out. Yeah, I'm curious to see what it looks like tomorrow when they go into Edmonton. But, yeah, maybe you shake the lines up. I mean, look, nobody cares what the lines are as long as goals are being scored yep. and games are being won. So if Lane's got to mix it up, mix it up. Uh, next question from New Wave Halifax. Is it time to send a forward down to Bridgeport, perhaps bring up Ishikov for line one? The only guy you can do that with without getting, you know, and being in danger of, of getting claimed is, is Holmstrom, and he's not going anywhere. So it's not that simple. I mean, you can't really send a guy down without worrying about him being claimed. What I will say, though, is, again, we tough decisions. You know, if the Islanders mm. come back from this road trip, I mean, again, you could send someone else on waivers. It doesn't have to be Holmstrom who's waiver exempt. The question is, guys in the minors, Ishikov had a beautiful goal last night for the overtime winner for Bridgeport. Other guys in there that are playing well, Maggio's playing well, McLean has been great down there. Sure, you have options, but at the same time, like, like Sean said, 
you got to be really sure about what you want to do there because you don't want to act, you know, make a move. Be like, oh, wait, let's send this guy down. And then he gets clean and it's not somebody you wanted to go down. You just wanted somebody to go down there and, you know, whether it's conditioning, things like that. But I just think, I don't think we're there yet because you still have Godey on the bench. You still have Wallstrom, who, who's played better in the last couple of games he's been in where he showed signs yeah. of... Had a nice the, goal. The shot's back. Yeah. He's playing a two-way game. He's he's physical. He's finding his game after the injury where he could be a weapon for you at some point. So I, I don't think they have a thing where we have to go to the minors now. They have two guys in Godey and Wallstrom that should probably get those first chances if that presents itself. That being said, I don't think they're opposed to giving a kid from Bridgeport oh, a yeah. shot, and I think we'll, we will definitely see that once there's an injury. You know, if somebody ends up on the injury list for a little while and they have the space on the roster, they'll bring a kid up to see what he can do. But, but yeah, just because of the... You know the semantics, if you will, of of the waiver situation. I just don't. I just don't think it's something they're going to force. Yeah. You know, if they're out of it in like January, or February, and you, yeah, you want to call up the young guys like teams do and, right. and trade veterans for draft picks, and sure. you go that route, then right. sure. But there's and also there's not one guy in the minors like Ishigov got off to a great start. He slowed down. There's not a guy where it's like he has to be up now. He's averaging like two, five goals a game. Like there's no guy they have in their system right now that's pushing the needle. I think enough to warrant getting a starting job over guys here. But we, that could happen in the future. Next up from Mel Armenia. Do you think there's any chance we trade for Zadorov? Uh, do I think there's a chance? I think there's always a chance when lose your general manager. I mean, you never know what he's doing, what he's cooking up. Zadorov wants to leave. The Islanders do need a defenseman. Um, I think the rumors with, Eddie, with Toronto is on the table. I think now it's the Flyers. But yeah, you can't rule them out. The Islanders do need a defenseman. They'd have to figure out the cap situation a little bit, but that's Lou's job. Um, and, and if he does make that trade, he will. I just think, again, with Calgary, maybe they could pick him up on the way, like after the game. <laughs> you like, hey, you're coming home with us. But, uh, it's yeah. happened before. The Islanders have needs, and Zadorov would fill one of those. So I can't, I wouldn't rule out that he could be an Islander at some point. All right. Uh, next up from NZAB09. Stefan, you ever get frustrated watching the team you cover because of their bad play? Or do, can you stay objective and watch just like a TV show? I can definitely stay up. No, there's no frustration at all. I, I'm watching the game and just reacting. It's like if I'm playing goalie, to be quite honest. Like, the play's in front of me. I'm either going to say what I want to say about the play, move on to the next play. It happens fast. But no, I'm just, I'm, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm watching it like a TV show. But there's no usual cliffhangers with the Islanders. It's kind of like. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, but no, there's there's no, it's completely objective. Ed? Uh he actually, uh, Enzab actually just chimed in with another uh, Interjected question. with another query. Uh, you had a lot of uh, ifs. Uh, what is the probability of these ifs happen, given uh, how the team has played this far? I'm, guess, I'm guessing based on how you're saying, like, if they win this game or... I, that's, that's how uh, the coverage of this season started, was if yeah, this and yeah, if that. That's every team. Right, yeah, for sure. But look... And and I don't blame anybody for for being a little pessimistic about how it pans out. Just because, look, what have you done for me late, lately? Not a whole lot. Losses in regulation doesn't mean they can't turn it around. I mean, look, this is a veteran team. They know how to play the game. One disappointing thing for me with this team has been the the, the lack of discipline. Yeah, and taking penalties. Veterans. Lack yeah, of exactly. Like Sezikis, Barzell. High sticks, especially. I mean, control your stick. I mean, there was a weird one with D'Angelo. I mean, that wasn't. It wasn't high in the sense that it was above the shoulder. It was actually level, and D'Angelo's face happened to be there. It was a very strange play. Could call that a slash, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But but still, don't yeah. swing your stick. Like whether it's high or not, and and you know they're they're trying to get out of this rut, and you would think that 
you know, these these guys would be mindful of this. And like there was even the, there was a penalty from Sezikis a couple couple games back. Off a face off, he just gave a cross check to a guy's spine. He goes down. The, the ref's like, Well, this is an easy one. And the arm goes up. And it's like, what are you thinking, man? Like you, you know better than that. And and the PK's been struggling. And you're a guy who's supposed to be out there well, on the PK. That's the biggest thing. It's when PKers are the ones like that game against um Ottawa, when they took all those penalties. You know, those are PKers taking penalties, and that just that's a whole other story with how that right. impacts time on ice for other yeah. players. Again, Barzal's not a PKer, so when the Islanders are killing penalties all game, that means less ice time for him. Right. And less time to be effective. But I think the other thing, too, that's been disappointing is just the little plays that did so well under trots, where you don't have to mm. think about them not breaking the puck out or getting the puck deep. They just... It's like even the IQ stuff last night, I know the yeah, or just thing. coverage in the D zone, you know, yeah. leaving a guy back door open. You know what I mean? Like just just plays like that, where like you said, was automatic, and now all of a sudden they they have to think about it again. Like the Aho thing yesterday was was kind of weird because if he touches that, it's too many men, mm-hmm. um, and he lets it go, and it leads to the goal. And it's like, sure, you know, you gotta do you take the penalty there? Or do you try to make a play? Unfortunately, he there was a hesitation, and once he hesitated, the play was. He was in trouble. So I get it's just those little things where you know this is a team that knows like you shouldn't need a coach, in my opinion. Like same thing with sixty minute efforts. And I think Horvat said it great last night. It's like this is on us. Like we're the ones that play. And that's yeah. the right thing to say. That's backing your coach. That's that's things like that. And everyone's been backing Lane. Like there's clear belief and he believes that the message is still getting through. It's just these little things that this team was so good at where most of these players were here. It's just so weird to, and mind boggling to see like those little plays just stop. They're harder to make when they when these are plays that these guys were doing, not even thinking for years with trots. Right, and that's why you almost wonder, you know, is this whole funk that they're in just mental? It's got. It's, it's mostly mental. You know what I it mean? Like be. whether it's making mistakes or confidence or whatever the case. And for some reason, these plays just aren't aren't going the way that they should be for for a group of players who we know can perform better and and carry these things out. Yes, yeah, some guys aging up a little bit. Sure, there's that that factors into it. But that's why, despite the fact that they're obviously going through a rough patch here, I mean, the season's not over. They can still pull it together. Everybody, like you said it many times, everybody thought the season was over in January last year, right, because of how awful that month went. And then a couple changes were made. The team figures it out, and they go on a run, and then all of a sudden they look like a team that can hang, right? And they just got to find that team again. We're just waiting to see if they can do it. And if if they go 3-1 and one, or 2-1-1 one and one on this road trip, they're back in it and... You forget what just you have. All they could do is forget what happened. Right. Sure, you have to learn from your mistakes, which they've obviously struggled to figure out. But mm-hmm. a successful road trip, and they come home now with a home crowd that's you know mm-hmm. excited because they just won some games. It changes everything again mentally for the fans, yeah. mentally for the players. Everything changes. I'll, and I'll just leave one caveat with that. I didn't look ahead beyond this coming week, but you know, if even if they come out of this week with a three and one, two one and one record, or dare I say a four and zero record, I mean, yeah, maybe Vancouver, but they will still not have beat really beaten a top tier team in the league, yet. and that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, you know, great. They hung with Boston for 50 minutes. They almost beat Carolina, and then and then they crapped the bed. You know what I mean? Like, let's see a 60 minute effort where you can give yourselves and the fan base some confidence that you can hang with a team you know, worthy of the playoffs. And it just really hasn't happened yet. And that's what I'm, even if they have success in this trip, I'm still waiting to see them do that. And that's what I, before we get to one more, that's that's what I'll say is those points though against the bad teams matter. Like, again, you want to see them beat the good teams and we, we want to see the Islanders beat the good teams to show how good they are at some point. But when you look back to last year, 
It took 82 games. One, did they lose to good teams? Yeah. Did they lose to Arizona twice? Yeah. yeah. So these, you know, as much as the Islanders need to find a way to beat the really good teams to prove that they're up there. They got to continue. They got to gotta continue the, to beat yeah. the bad teams. Sure. Yeah, another one from Esteban J. Do you guys agree with the decision to continuously play the fourth line every night? So I guess it's twofold is they're going to play those players, but you see Lane cutting the bench. You see Martin mm-hmm. getting limited minutes. You right. see Clutterbuck. So continue to play them as a th- as a threesome there. They're not playing a lot is what I'll say. And I guess if Lane believes that they can go out there and give them a couple of shifts a period, I think they've looked better at times. Like there's some shifts the other day where I was like, that was the I think it was last it might have been last night where I was thinking like that's the identity line they just no went, they've they've had yeah exactly like you said a few shifts where they've looked great yeah and I think it's just kind of finding the the magic amount of time you know to use them properly because they still got it in the sense that there's been plenty of shifts where either they've they've you know kept kept the puck down low they did their job they bang bodies that whole thing and every now and then it ended in a goal as well yeah. so they're still capable whether they can do it playing you know 12 to 15 minutes a night anymore that's probably the question that's up for debate but you know I, they're still useful i think like you said it's just figuring out you know how how you use them throughout the the, the 60 minutes of a game yeah and real quick uh thoughts on zeke's comments thoughts on zeke's comments i have some so look uh, you never want to tell your fans what to do <laughs> and tell them to stay home. And I'm sure not long after Casey said that, he he understood that and realized what he said. But, but like, and I see fans getting on him and all that stuff. Look, I don't know if anybody on that squad bleeds blue and orange more than that guy does. He bleeds Islander blue and orange. He's He loves the squad. He loves the team. He loves the fan base. He's been here forever. And he is an emotional player he puts it all out there and I am sure that when he was asked that question his immediate reaction was just his genuine emotion coming out and I don't necessarily bl- he said the wrong thing again I'm sure he knows it but I don't necessarily blame him in the heat of the moment saying something like that because a he came to the defense of his coach he came to the defense of his squad saying hey look you know if you're going to come and do that you know that's we don't want to hear it yeah I, I get that I'm sh- no player does want to hear it but at the same time, this is a guy who's probably even more frustrated with the struggles and the losses than the fans are. And you got to try to remember that because, you know, he's just coming out of that loss. It's another L in the column where against a team they probably, you know, should have won. And his emotions got the best of him. Does that does that make Casey Sezikis enemy number one of the fan base now? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, whether he retracts it or not, maybe he'll come out and say something afterwards. But he of the moment thing, it's his emotions. He's still he still loves this team. He loves the fan base. I think maybe, you know, you give him a little pass on this one. It's unfortunate. You know, you see how Horvat handled it. You see how Clutterbuck handled it. A little more measured responses, put it on themselves, put it on the team. And it was a knee-jerk reaction, reaction from Casey, but I think he caught him a break. That's my two cents. That's good two cents. I, I agree. All right. Anything else then? Uh, yeah, well, we have a bunch from Enzab. Uh, oh. I'll touch on this oh. one too. Wallstrom or, Hol- or Holstrom, which sticks and which goes? Uh, wh- why does it seem like Wallstrom hasn't been able to do... Uh, you got this. Uh, no, well, <laughs> I don't know if Enzab has this. I'll uh. read this. I'll read this. Uh, <laughs> hasn't been able to do produce... As as Holmstrom has, I wish everyone could see Jay next to you. 
Uh, the gist of the question is, why hasn't Wallstrom been able to be the player I think everybody's waiting to be, right? And and right. who is ultimately going to end up with a spot on the team, him or Holmstrom? Yeah, I mean, I think it's clearly Holmstrom. Once the confidence clicked that he could trust his shot and now that he could trust his ability to do pretty much everything on the ice, he becomes that player. I'm not saying he's Zach Parise, but there's a lot. I'm seeing a lot of what Holmes is doing now and a lot of what being that guy that could play in every situation. I see that in Holmstrom now, and I don't yet see that in Wallstrom where Lane could put him in any situation right now. I think Wallstrom could go on the power play, sure. Wallstrom can go five on five, but we saw Holmstrom get four on four minutes. We saw Holmstrom on the penalty kill. We've seen him on the power play. We've seen him generate offense five on five with the top guys. We see him with Barzell finding time and space. We see him fe- We're seeing Holmstrom just show off essentially every tool he has in his toolbox, where with Wallstrom, we're still waiting to see some of those tools come out. The tools that we were told and everyone was told through scouting reports that right. he's there. And again, credit to Wallstrom. Everyone said he's a sniper. And in today's day and age in the NHL, you can't just be a sniper. And he's figured out how to try to play a two-way game, be a power forward. I think for Holmstrom right now, though, it was all confidence with him because clearly he has the ability. And I think for Holmstrom, too, right. where the where the importance was on his... Def- he came up as such a strong defensive guy, which is the harder part to learn. And now he's figuring everything else out where Walls came up like a bellows, where it was offense only. It's so much harder, I guess, especially in a defensive system, mm. to figure that I think Holmstrom was taught in the minors exactly what he had to do to be successful here, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. maybe another system, Wallstrom scoring 30 goals, right? Where he's not sure. focusing on that. I think just Holmstrom is finally... He's fit into this system... Whether you want to say it's a flawed system or not, he's fit into what the Islanders want him to do so perfectly that we're just seeing him flourish. Yeah, so I think the easy short answer to that <laughs> question is is Simon Holmstrom for now. But but it does it does raise a bit of an issue in the sense that look, everybody is still rooting for you know coaching staff included for Wallstrom to become yeah. the player you know that the Islanders kind of want and or need him to be. But he's not going to get there if he's not on the ice. So you have to try to find room for him to get in there. And if there's no injuries, I don't know. Do we see a rotation? Does fashion come out every now and then like he has? Uh, You know, do we see him kind of get in the mix? You know, because I don't know. I don't necessarily know if right now if it's a Holmstrom versus Wallstrom thing. I don't think it. I think Holmstrom's won that for now. Until Holmstrom falls off, it's probably Wallstrom competing with fashion. Wallstrom competing with Lee and Wallstrom competing with the fourth line. Yeah, there you go. I had a question myself. Uh, I've been hey. seeing a lot of these uh, cool stickers hanging around here. Yeah, you know, there was one cool thing that came out of uh, UBS Arena last night at the game. The Islanders did lose, which was unfortunate, but I got to meet a great fellow by the name of Jacob. Uh, he runs Isles Meetup San Diego, came all the way over from the West Coast, got to meet him after the game. Uh, lovely guy, gave us a couple of stickers here for the show. So uh, shout out to Jacob. Great to meet you. Thanks for coming to say hello. And uh, now we, we got one on display here. It's on, in the back. Yeah. So, so I was meetups group. Send us your uh, your stickers and whatnot or your logos. We'll put them up on display here. Yeah. Hell yeah. Anything else before we that's, get that's out it. of here? That's it. Well, then. I'm ending tonight on the questions. Is that right? Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Great job, Ed. <laughs> Isn't that a great question? Great job to you. Great job to Jay. Jay, you feeling any better? <laughs> Poor, <laughs> lovely in the most sarcastic out. way possible. Pouring out for Jake the Snake, who couldn't be. Yeah, no man. shoeless Jake. Oh, tonight. He was in the chat though. Well, yeah, anything yeah. good? Any any report on Boston? I thought he was going to give us Jake's takes. Jake's what happened takes. Here? Oh, I think he did. 
Yeah, I think it was a long we one. Got, we got to. We got to. That's all fishing. we have time for today. I know. Okay. Well, Let's here it is. We got. Let's see what he has. Jake's take from Boston. TD Garden is awesome. Great seats and great vibe. The crowd was not as rowdy as I thought they would be. Okay. I only got chirped twice in my jersey, but made sure they knew I was not a Yankees fan, which helped. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sucks because I'm a Yankees fan. Uh, the Islanders came out flat, but found a way to hang around. Showed some flashes of of. Uh, of last year's team. <laughs> Sorry. We, should, we gotta cut together a highlight blind. clip of Ed trying to read the yeah, They're tiny. They're tiny. I needed reading glasses. <laughs> Simon Holmstrom is showing why he's uh here to stay. Uh the third period was an absolute debacle. What's mm. new? Okay. Overall new? great time, yeah. mm. but an unfortunate outcome. Okay, so. Jake's takes. Well, hey, Jake, you're not here, but you're here in spirit. And thanks for, for Jake's takes from Boston. Great stuff. Sounds like a kid riding from sleepaway camp to his parents. <laughs> no, it's the Billy, it's amazing. the Billy Madison scene. Where Jay he's like, finally chimes in on the show. It only took a season a month, but he finally chimes in. Maybe we'll get you a mic. Pack it up over there. All right, Ed. Cue the music. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in to twitch.tv slash hockey night NY and your favorite podcast providers. I want to send a big thanks to JT Brown for joining us tonight and a huge thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Iceland. Check them out and the menu at bluelinedeli.com. Also, big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. Also, a big thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but if you have to, Razor and Kniff is ready to fight for you. Call 516-742-7600 for a free consultation today. And, of course, a big thanks to Jay and Floored Media here in Rockville Center for helping us put this lovely show covering the New York Islanders. And folks, remember to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word. Hey, Hockey Night in New York is a podcast you should listen to and or watch. Stefan, where can we find you on the internet and social media? Yeah, you can find me at the Hockey News Islander site and NHL.com. There and, you go. And Twitter or X and Stefan underscore Rosner. That's S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R. There you go. You can follow myself on Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show on all socials at Hockey Night NY. So for Stefan, for Ed, for Jay, for Shoeless Jake, I'm Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. We'll see you next week. <laughs>